This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On today. I am grateful for the company. Have you heard of the Diamond Cross Ranch in Jackson Hole, Wyoming? That's where Grant Gallagher is able to get a wild horse to calmly take a saddle and a rider without the use of any force. Through training thousands of horses, many traumatized or abused, Gallagher was able to learn really essential lessons about communication, boundaries, fairness, trust, respect, and these lessons apply not only to horses, but to humans as well. Fortune 500 executives, professional coaches, celebrities, and struggling parents too, they've all flocked to this Diamond Cross Ranch in Wyoming to see firsthand Grant's equine demonstrations and to learn the lessons he and his horses can teach. Grant has a new book called Think Like a Horse where he takes this lifetime of knowledge, sharing stories from his own life, his work with countless horses, stories of clients he's worked with, all laced with his trademark cowboy wisdom. How did Grant learn to think like a horse? Well, really 50 years of training horses professionally and and actually growing up with them as a child, um, probably as much as anything. I spent so much time around horses and mules. My dad raised mules. So uh, they were my friends, and uh, I just grew up, I think, understanding them quite well and then working with uh, some great trainers, great mentors as I, uh, you know, became a horse trainer. And so 50 years of of doing that is really uh, with all kinds of horses, every breed you can imagine, and then all kind of aspects from babies on up to older horses that have had Good and bad things happen to them. Hmm. When we come upon a horse, say, you know, in New York City at a handsome cab or maybe in the country in somebody's backyard, what's the best way to approach a horse? What do they want from us? <laughs> well, mostly they, most horses just want to be left alone. To tell you the truth, they're survivors. And they're, they're kind of reading us because, you know, by nature, we're a predator to a horse until we convince them that we're not. And so they're really reading our body language. They're reading, uh, you know, every aspect of us because they're a lot more observant than we are. That's how they've survived. So what they're wanting from us, it depends on their past. If if their contact with human is has been good in some way, then they're going to remember that. If it's been, you know, not so good, they're they're going to relate every human that way. Uh, if every time they've been approached, they've been given like food to eat, then they're going to think, oh, well, that's where food comes from. And so, you know, what what the horse thinks about us is based on his experience of his past. And it's not too much different with people, right? Often how we react is based on what's in our past. Uh, You say clear boundaries make for happy horses and people, of course. Uh, What do you mean by that, clear boundaries? Well, everything about training a horse is really teaching them to stay between boundaries. When you ride them, you want them to stay between the reins and your legs. 
and rides straight up between them. And so a horse is always pushing on his boundaries. It's not much fun to ride. He's always wanting to be somewhere else. So he needs to learn to stay between them. And uh, it really starts from even on the ground with a young horse or even a wild horse. Uh, They need to learn what your boundaries are. But if you're clear and consistent about your boundaries, the horse becomes confident and secure in himself. When we're vague about our boundaries, he becomes insecure. And so I think that so fits, you know, children, uh, employees, you name it. I think we can all relate to that, that we like a leader that's clear with their boundaries. It's not one day something's okay and next day, well, it's not okay. You know, we get we get criticized or yelled at for doing the very same thing that was okay another day. Mm. I'd say it's like walking on eggshells. You don't want to walk on eggshells around people. And I don't want my horses afraid of me. I just want them to to respect my boundaries. Right, right. So cons- consistency is key. You say as a leader, we need to have the feel of others, the way you get a feel of a horse. I'm not sure I ever stop to get the feel of others. How, how does one do that? Well, you know, when we're working with horses, you really learn to be observant and read body language. And so a- as you do this, I think you become better as a human by reading other people's uh, body language, really reading how they feel, and that's kind of the empathy part right, that comes in. If if we get a little more sensitive about those around us, we can relate to them better. And so, just like we said, people live what they've learned in life, and so to read a little bit about what their life is about, and sometimes that just takes asking some questions. But you know, with with a horse, it's just uh, it's a give and take. Uh, it's learning to uh, to be sensitive to their uh, feelings, I guess. But it's not just about being nice and kind, this whole thing. It's really about being as soft as you can, but as firm as you need to be. Mm, got it. You also say in your book, Think Like a Horse, that we shouldn't throw out a criticism or even a piece of constructive feedback if we don't have the time to be there for how it lands. Well, that's right. I, You know, I just say this. I, I would never go up and slap a horse across the face. But sometimes we do that with people and we're not even aware of it as leaders and usually, you know, these are people that respect us, or at least they're, they have to because we might be their boss or leader. So we're pretty careful, you know, about what we say because our words are so powerful, especially from uh, people that we love or respect. So we're, we're, we really emphasize this. And then be sure that whatever you do, you're there to reward the horse when he when he responds to whatever you're doing. Okay, so it, it uh, you have to have the time to communicate with the horse that he did the right thing, and and then congratulating him for making the right choice. Grant Gallagher, horseman, proprietor of the historic Diamond Cross Ranch in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. What's going on at the ranch these days? Well, it's just beautiful out here today. The Tetons uh, are right in front of our ranch, and they're covered with snow. The grass is green. But, uh, you know, we live right here in the in the heart of the wilderness, and right next to uh, Yellowstone Park. We have 
wolves and grizzly bears. We have elk herds and buffalo. So we're right in the middle of nature. And uh, we, we love sharing the ranch with people. They come here from all over the country. And, uh, but, uh, you know, what's really going on with the ranch this year is a, a lot of busyness. We have a big schedule. People are coming out this year. We've done a couple of photo shoots for uh, clothing and whatnot. We have corporate uh, stuff going on, corporate leaders coming out to do some trainings. We have, uh, uh, we're doing weddings here at the ranch too, right on our lawn. So we've got a lot going on, got the whole family involved. That's beautiful. So when people come to the ranch, what's the best advice you give them for interacting with the horses there? Well, I tell people, first of all, no matter what you you know or think you don't know, you have to be the leader. And if you're not, the horse is, uh, you're going to be sorry. <laughs> because horses really need leadership. And uh, they're going to read you. So even if you don't know anything about a horse and you're working with a horse that you know does know a lot, you still have to be the leader. So uh, that's uh, that's one thing I, I do teach people. First of all, you have to have the horse's respect because in the horse world, in the herd of the horses, respect always comes before friendship. And, the, and two horses will greet that don't know each other by smelling each other. That would be like us shaking hands for the first time. But then they, they want to know who's in charge. They want to know, you know, who's calling the shots. And, uh, you know, or they're really going to take over and be that leader if you're not. So I think that's very important teach people right off the bat that they have, they have to be a, re- a leader whether they feel like they are or not. Great. Um, one more question. Do you feel that horses can or want to communicate with us? Well, I think they do. Uh, you know, they're survivors, so they want to know what we're thinking, what, what our actions, our intentions are. And, uh, you know, they're really looking to us to see, you know, what we're going to be. Are we going to be a predator that's uh, a danger to them? Or are we going to be a friend? Or we, what do we have to offer? Is it something good or bad? So, you know, they're just a lot more observant than we are. So they teach us to be more sensitive to the environment and to those around us. That's Grant Gallagher. His book is called Think Like a Horse, and you can find him and visit him at the Diamond Cross Ranch in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. We share the planet with animals and plants, and today we share Shine On with animals and plants in terms of what we can learn from them and how we can grow together. How to Grow is the name of a new book by Marcus Bridgewater. You may follow him on TikTok at Garden Marcus. If spending time in nature soothes your soul, if digging in the dirt gives you a peace that you can't find anywhere else, follow Garden Marcus on TikTok. Or if you're looking for peace, buy a plant and you'll grow together. Hi, Marcus. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to talk to you. I am a fan and a follower. How did you know uh, right away, or did you know right away, that TikTok would be a great place for you? Oh, man, I thought TikTok was a calendar app. 
So, no, I had no idea. Um, it was because of community. Um, a really good friend and former student came and said, hey, you know what? You should put your essence on TikTok and share your company and your thought process, your philosophy that way. And I was like, why would I put myself on a calendar app, buddy? <laughs> and he said, oh, it is not a calendar app. It is so much more. Let me show you. And he literally did a presentation for me on what TikTok was. And that was that was the beginning. That was the beginning. So how much time do you spend crafting the videos that you make for TikTok? Well, I'm very blessed that I don't do this alone. Um, and uh, sh- shout out to all of those uh, people behind the camera out there. Uh, thank you, Dana. Um, I spend uh, probably about an hour or so. Um, we spend that filming, and then uh, we will take that and turn that into video for probably another 40 minutes after that. So sometimes it'll be five to 10 minutes of filming, and then 40 minutes of the, the process afterwards to get the video. Sometimes it'll be 30 to 40 minutes of filming, and it'll be uh, five to 40 minutes to get the process of the video. Gotcha, gotcha. So how does inspiration strike you? How do you know what thoughts you want to share on that platform? Uh, well, a lot of times it's just what would I, I say this to myself, what would little me enjoy seeing? Um, and, and what would I try and tell younger me so that he would um, slow down and uh, appreciate whatever was going on in his life? And as I go through the garden and I'm thinking about that, whatever I'm experiencing that day in terms of the plants and the experiments I've been working on, there's usually some aha moment in the day. And that tends to be what I ask uh, my team about. And they'll say, yeah, or what about the other one that you mentioned and I'll say, okay, well, we'll go back to that one. And so it's a, it's a kind of a relationship, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to do anything from just a box, but I want everything to be genuine. So when I'm inspired, I share that. And then the team and I deliberate on what we'll share next. We're talking to Garden Marcus, Marcus Bridgewater, his book, How to Grow, Nurture Your Garden, Nurture Yourself. Who took you to the garden, Marcus? Well, I grew up in my grandmother's garden. And it was one of those things you take for granted as you're just outside playing in the yard. Uh, She'd ask us to water the the garden every now and then, and we would rush through the process. And now as I think back through it and I think about how much time I spend walking and and watering each and every plant, uh, I can't help but appreciate that early, early introduction and also the irony that little me rushing through watering the plant. Yeah. What does your current garden look like today? Oh, man. My garden is an array of colors, shapes, and textures. Uh, It has large leaves, small leaves, round leaves, and all the shapes you can imagine. Um, Colors of every uh, nuance of the rainbow. And... um, sizes um, varying from massive, bigger than me in terms of the leaves, to uh, as big as my fingernail. So there's a lot of variety, bromeliads, orchids, uh, palm trees, banana trees, 
and um, ferns, possos, all kinds of things. Philodendrons. Man, I love a good fern. When the ferns start to pop up, they're like magical little things. You know, they just unfurl there. Oh, they make me crazy, the ferns. I love them so much. All right, so for people um, who may not use their garden as a therapeutic tool, where do we start? You start with taking a deep breath and um, maybe taking your shoes off and putting your feet on the ground and uh, taking a moment to look around at your plants. And as you do that, stop to appreciate their growth and think about their growth, and then think about what of the obstacles they had to go through in their growth. And as you do that, you'll start to see similarities between yourself and your plant companion. What if we don't know what the heck we're doing? Well, don't be afraid to journal and to be kind, patient, and positive with yourself as you figure it out. Uh, You don't need to know what you're doing necessarily as much as you need to have the desire to grow. All right. The desire to grow. (laughs) What happens if a human (laughs) doesn't have a desire to grow? What does that look like? Ah, man. Well, that looks like depression. That looks like uh, anger and animosity. It looks like the destructive things we see in our society every day. Yeah, probably. Probably. All right. Do you feel, I mean, you know, like how far do you go with this? Can plants feel us or can we just feel plants? Oh, man, I think they can feel us. Absolutely. Uh, I think that the energy you're putting out in your vibration, uh, how you speak, what you're wanting to speak about. I think all these things matter in terms of the development of growth. Um, we, we found re- recently, uh, because we've got super high-powered cameras now, that the vibration of our voice is actually affecting the physicality of the world around us. So your voice is vibrating off of glass and plastic and everything. So your voice is actually affecting the things that are alive. And so when you consider that, Your plants and all plants everywhere are responding to us, whether or not we realize it. Oh, good, because I'm talking to my plants all the time. Right out loud. Right out loud. And I don't care if my neighbors hear me. I really don't. And I recently (laughs) lost uh, an arborvitae tree that I planted in the fall. And man, I tried to Mm. I tried to coax that tree back to life. But finally, you know, we had to let it go. How do we deal with failures Mm -hmm. in the garden? Well, I I try to focus on the lesson in the failures. I try to focus on uh, what can help me grow from this moment, from this loss. And so I appreciate whatever good times I had and and whatever beauty I got from the plant. And then I make a note or several notes on what I was doing to care for the plant so that I can uh, try and better my care for the next plant. Right. Beautiful. Garden Marcus, Marcus Bridgewater, the book, How to Grow, Nurture Your Garden, Nurture Yourself. Can you share with us one lesson from the book that's a favorite of yours? Absolutely. Um, We can't make anything grow, but we can nurture environments where things want to grow. And, And so that means that I can't force you to do anything, but chances are if I create an environment around you, you'll come to that environment and feel happy and begin to thrive. So by focusing on our ourselves 
making sure we better ourselves and thereby focus on the environment that we occupy, we're likely to better our community and better ourselves in a cycle of growth. I love that thought. All right, give us a little sneak preview, please. Tell us what you're working on next for TikTok. (laughs) Uh, I think next we're going to uh, be releasing a couple videos um, uh, in reference to the audio book that we haven't uh, released yet. So we're going to be sharing some audio book uh, videos. All right. Now, what comes next? Is this all a big surprise to you, or, or were you planning this kind of growth in your life? Uh, this is all uh, very surprising in many ways, um, and... It is a blessing in, in so, so many different ways. Um, I think that when it comes to what's next, uh, we are just looking forward to whatever opportunities present themselves to myself and to our company, Choice Forward. And uh, we're just trying to be a part of the growth that we see happening in the world as people start focusing more on the growth of people and not just the construction of our world. All right, Garden Marcus, here's here's what I want to see. I, I want to see the theme park. <laughs> can you picture oh, it? Can you picture it? I, I can, can picture it. I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for that. That's a beautiful, beautiful thought. Oh, Garden Marcus. Marcus Bridgewater, his book, How to Grow. Follow him on TikTok. So you know, that's something my yoga teacher says all the time. As you may know, I'm in training with Jillian Pransky to become a restorative yoga teacher. And one of the things Jillian says is, we can't make people relax. All we can do is create the conditions, create the conditions or set the stage for relaxation. And Marcus Bridgewater kind of saying the same thing. We can't make a plant grow, but we can create the conditions and and set the scene to foster growth. And maybe that's just all we should do for ourselves too, right? Keep looking around and saying, does this situation foster my growth? What do I need to change that would make for a healthier environment for me? So Memorial Day, I woke up just filled with anxiety. There's a lot going on. Not all of it bad, and I might have news in a couple of weeks to share. Good news. But I'll just say I was filled with anxiety. So it was far too early to open the Mark West. So I got in the car and I drove to the flower shop and it was closed. Memorial Day. So then I drove to one of those box stores. I just had to buy plants. And I don't even know what I bought. Well, I can tell you, I bought four blue plants and four yellow plants. <laughs> And then some bee balm. I don't know what bee balm is, but it sounded so nice. And I think some kind of mint. Because people say mint just grows like crazy. I've never had success with mint. But it was a special kind of mint. Anyway, I came home and put these things in the ground. And there's so much uh, deciding to do. Should it go in the ground? Should it go in a pot? Should it go over here? Should it go over there? Needed more potting soil. Sent my husband out for that. He brought it back. Now I'm good and dirty and sweaty and so peaceful. Whatever it is, whatever it is, that's my happy space. I really don't know what I'm doing in the garden, but I do know. Getting my hands in the dirt, mm. It's good for my soul.
And you know what this brings me back to? The exercise that we've talked about from time to time on this podcast. We may have even done it. I know I've done it on some of the retreats. And that is drawing your life as a garden. Get the colored pencils out and try that. Draw a garden and everything in that garden represents something in your life. When you do that and you see like maybe the flowers or your children or the, the, the sun is your connection to spirit or whatever it may be, draw your life as a garden and you will see just how rich you are. All righty. Thank you for tuning in to Shine On. I'm Casey. I hope to see you Sundays at the Market on the River in Verplank. The Market Benefits the Pantry. You can find out all about it. Let it shine online.com. A retreat for women coming up in early August. Get details about that at caseysplace.com. This is such a trying time to be alive on the planet, which is why it feels like such a luxury and a privilege to get together for this half hour a week. To talk about life and maybe bring in a little hope, our thought for the day is from Audrey Hepburn, who said, to plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on. Shine On.